following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 888 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined uh, today by your other host, Brittany Page. So the headlines this week have been... Chaos. Chaos and dominated by the the conflict going on in Israel yeah. and, and Gaza. And so I think it's hard to not start the show talking about it and I think that kind of signals what I've been seeing on social media which is that there's a lot of pressure on people like if you have a social media account even if you're not a media person even if you don't work in this field there's like pressure on you to make a statement yeah um like you're managing your own personal PR firm for yourself even yeah. though you maybe don't even have a large platform or whatever. And it's strange to see celebrities who have no expertise or education about international affairs opining and and making statements and then getting in trouble for the statements or sharing pictures of Gaza being bombed and saying that they're praying for Israel and then having to delete it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just been a very strange time to be online this week but it's also just been tough to see the horrors the the, yeah. the terrible terrorist attack that happened in Israel the which was terrible absolutely it was a terror attack uh promulgated by executed by terrorists Hamas terrorists yeah, and I remember there, you know, right after the attack, there were claims online that leftists were defending Hamas. And I turned to you and I said, "Have you seen leftists defending Hamas?" Because I I haven't been seeing that. And then of course I saw the Democratic Socialists of America DSA's post where they had the outline of the paraglider that that was like representative of Hamas coming in to kill people in Israel at a Concert, I believe, yeah, like a rave or a music festival or something, and and then I think they've backtracked since. Fucking de deplorable and disgraceful that anyone would align themselves with Hamas. But the other thing that's happening that I'm sure you're getting to here is people conflating Hamas with just Palestinians, right? People like George Santos and others. Like, I don't care about Palestinian babies being killed in the countless apartment built buildings that are being leveled by the the, the Israeli Defense Force. Like, mm -hmm. what the what the fuck? Yeah. Babies are innocent. Right. Whether they're Palestinian babies or Israeli babies, they're innocent in this. Right. And people are, I don't know, passions are just being inflamed and people are going crazy being the worst versions of themselves. Yeah. Well, and I've also seen people try to 
do some sort of political analysis and give context for people who may be unaware of the history of this conflict. And, you know, people will talk about the Israelis, uh, Israeli occupation of Gaza. And then people will counter that and say, well, it sounds like you're trying to justify the Hamas terrorist attack on Israel. And that's, you know, you can't, you can't be using that as justification. And, you know, I'm not sure that people on the left are actually using that as quote unquote justification rather than trying to give some sort of context and political yeah, analysis sure. to the situation that's happening here. Yeah. But then those same people who take issue with quote unquote justification will turn around and say that the Hamas terrorist attack is now justification for turning off water and power for millions of people, right? giving over 1 million people 24 hours to evacuate before they have an all-out assault. But not evacuate fully out of Gaza because they can't leave because they're trapped there. It's an open-air prison, uh, and Israel is... is um, They've created an apartheid state inside of their country. There, the, the power imbalance just doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, so... I mean, there's terrible shit going on on both sides, without a doubt. And, you know, when there are families and children and innocent people being displaced and their homes being leveled to the fucking ground, it Hamas doesn't... It's not a justification what took place. It's terrible that um, upwards of nearly 2,000 people have been killed, rapes, and just outright murder. It's fucking terrible. But you don't answer atrocity with atrocity. I mean, that what the fuck? It's just depressing. Well, and I've also seen people online making comments about people that they know being silent and being angry about that. And again, it's like this weird pressure that you need to make a statement on everything that happens, even if you aren't a public person, even if you don't have a platform, but even if you do have a platform. And I've heard people be upset about someone saying, well, this is a complicated situation and saying it's not complicated. It's easy to say that there's wrongdoing on both sides. Genocide's wrong regardless of who's doing it, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm not trying to blah, blah, blah that. That's, you know. But I also think it's important to allow people to be silent and maybe not say something because maybe they're taking time to read and listen and educate themselves before speaking and then we would have fewer justin bieber's sharing photos and their stories (laughs) and having to delete them yeah like maybe it's good that people are being silent and taking time to hopefully read and educate themselves before they make statements but i don't know if you've been following some of the commentary coming out of like uh, articles written in the times of israel where they're talking about how netanyahu actually had propped up hamas over the years And that was due to a calculation that he ultimately wants to prevent the establishment of a Palestinian state. And so giving aid to Hamas, allowing Hamas to grow with power um, in order to prevent the establishment of the Palestinian state. So I think there's a lot of complications surrounding this. I just I think you can't ignore that. But we have gotten some listener communication about the issue. And I think given what we're talking about. It's important to start there. 
So we will start with an email from Brett number two. Brett number two, original listener. Yeah. Original listener from episode number one. Oh, gee. <laughs> Somehow, just random. You know when you start a podcast and it's just your friends and family listening? That's kind of how it works, but somehow people found us through whatever serendipity and 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 Brett and Allison, Brett number two, <laughs> they were they were there. So um, we we love to hear from Brett. Yeah. So here is an email from Brett number two. Hey Jesse and Brittany, hope you are doing well and thriving in this hellscape of a planet. As you can see, I'm feeling great right now. I just wanted to tell you a quick story to highlight how infuriating and confusing. The Israel slash Palestine slash Jewish slash Hamas devastation is for a non-believer who still feels a cultural attachment to Judaism and Israel. That's me. I was talking with my therapist today about how the footage of hundreds of innocent Israelis is shockingly having a negative effect on my mood for the last few days and was hoping to engage in a discussion about how my disconnect from the Jewish religion and general support for the Palestinians being tortured by the awful Israeli government can temporarily take a back seat to my sympathies for the innocent Israelis slaughtered by a terrorist organization and how some of the anti-Semitic responses trigger an ingrained fear of violence that dates back basically to the beginning of time. Seems like a fairly complex issue that I should talk through with a paid professional, as I would like to be able to get out of bed in the morning. My therapist long ago confided that he is a proud, far-left, anarcho-communist, and I have found it interesting to get his various takes on world events, given that I am not a far-left, anarcho-communist. What surprised me, however, was his response to my conundrum a history lesson that effectively worked as cover for the people celebrating the death of Israelis. Oh, and he is a Jewish atheist just like me. I have no idea how to process this, but to write a novel to you two and just slam my head into a wall. The moral of the story is the lack of nuance in this situation is completely lost and not just online. This was a trained professional teaching me history Mind you, his history lesson somehow only dates back to 1967 and disregards literally everything before that and explaining away atrocities that are causing me to lose sleep and fuck up my sense of self. Why can't it be that there are many sides to the story, but some are definitely wrong? Terrorism, murder, genocide, and some are definitely deserving of empathy. The families of the deceased, the Jewish and Palestinian people who fear for the impending misplaced hatred. Has social, has social media truly erased all gray areas such that if you have mixed feelings, you might as well just sleep in for a week? Oh, and anyone posting on social media about can't believe you support genocide and then posting support for the other side wantonly attacking civilians can fuck right off. Foo, I feel better. Wish I could have said this all to my goddamn therapist. But alas, just look for the 50-year-old Jewish mental health professional at a punk show burning an Israeli flag. Love to you both and hope you are staying above the fray, Brett number two. It is, I feel for you, Brett. I, I don't have any, uh, I'm not Jewish, so I don't have a cultural attachment or, you know, any any baseline of, of knowledge um, being raised radical evangelical Christian. Uh, the attachment I do have to the Jewish people comes from brainwashing and being in a death cult that needs 
certain things to take place for prophecies then to come to pass. That's the, the flavor of Christianity I was raised. But I can tell you, I also share in the, I don't know, depression or anxiety that results from some of the things you're talking about. That you 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 have to buy into one side all the way and it's all binary. There's a good side and a bad side when really the truth is closer to both sides are doing bad shit. You can't blame the Palestinian people for Hamas like some in the IDF and Israeli government are doing that. Well, yeah, they're not blameless because they could have done it coup d'etat. They could have overthrown Hamas. They could have kicked them out of there. And because of that, we're going to murder kids. And you can't blame uh, Israel, the Israeli people. I mean, if that was the case, uh, uh, what I just said, which was a, a paraphrase of something that I believe the president of Israel said, not Netanyahu, the prime minister, but the president. And if if you can't if you can can blame the Palestinian people for not kicking out Hamas, then you can blame the Israelis for electing Netanyahu and the rest of these nightmarish, brutal leaders that run the country of Israel. It just there is it is not black and white. There is all kinds of gray area that people don't feel comfortable with. They want it to be simple, cut and dry, easy to to navigate these waters, and it just isn't. Rarely are things black and white, on or off. And that's what we're seeing now. So listen, take care of yourself, first of all. And, you know, I don't know how healthy, I'm not an expert in, in therapy, but it seems a little weird that your therapist is just openly talking about his political ideologies that seems to be about him and not about you and and making you better and healthier and maybe that's a bummer yeah yeah i do love when we hear from listeners and they they say i was talking with my therapist today but then when it's followed by something that is not great about the therapist it's it's quite disappointing and it seems Standard that you wouldn't have any idea what the politics of your... Th- I mean, now we're going off on a rabbit hole here, but you sh- maybe shouldn't know anything about your therapist's politics. Yeah, I mean, that that would be that would be probably ideal. People have different approaches to this. And, I mean, if you were to ask me, I think that people that I have worked with would probably make a guess at what mine are, but there's never been a case where I have had history lectures or political lectures. And I know you're probably thinking, well, Brittany, you talk about politics online. Your clients can just Google you and find out what your political affiliation is. And of course they can. And if they were to then come into session and say, hey, I listened to your podcast or hey, I watched one of your YouTube videos and uh, I would talk to them about how that experience was for them to find me online and learn what I what I believe, but that's that but would not ne- be an ongoing conversation. It would not be something where I'm opining about these issues on an ongoing basis. It's also you've never in session said, oh, by the way, I host a podcast. Oh, by the way, I have a YouTube channel. Yeah, it's just it shouldn't be about you as much as possible. And I think it's hard for 
people in general, and this applies to therapists too, to build a therapeutic relationship without the use of personal disclosure. And that can be challenging for people, but it is a skill that you must develop, I think, in order to be an effective therapist. And that's not to say that you need to harken back to the old days of blank slate and just sit there and never show emotion or never say anything about yourself. Like you can still be a human being. It's just you need to be smart about it. And this email is evidence about how this therapist is maybe not being smart about it because it's causing distress. Yeah. Brett didn't get what he needed from that session. Brett was prevented from getting what he needed and had to pay for a session (laughs) that was essentially useless to him. Maybe detrimental. Exactly. And so... I know this isn't the point of Brett's email, so sorry to kind of go on this tangent. Well, I got but, us here. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do hope that, you know, ideally in an, in an ideal scenario, Brett would go back to his therapist and allow there to be a repair to happen here. And there's a specific paragraph that I think he could actually just read in session <laughs> um, <laughs> about what he expected to talk about. Yeah. And... I think that you could just read that. And if you have a strong therapeutic relationship, your therapist should be able to handle that criticism and adjust what they're doing in the future. Because at the heart of therapy is a human relationship where you're learning in real time how to share when someone has let you down and disappointed you and that they'll also stay and that that's okay to happen in relationships when someone lets you down and disappoints you and that you repair that. And so this could be a good learning moment for your therapist. <laughs> Not that you also need to be tasked with that, Jesus Christ, but okay. Um, well, listen, thank you for the email, Brett number two. We love and appreciate you very much. Uh, your your loyalty to the show in this relationship <laughs> makes us feel real good. Yeah, well, and hopefully, I mean, our brief discussion in describing the events didn't upset Brett, and hopefully it touched on some of the themes that Brett is hoping to highlight in terms of the complicated nature of all of this and the complicated feelings that are yeah. surrounding the issue. And it's just all around terrible. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. All right. So we are going to move on from this topic temporarily. We have two other emails to get to. If you would like to call in, you can call 657-464-7609, or you can send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I guess we should also say that we're just, um, we are prioritizing and thinking about the innocent people who are being put in harm's way, whether that is people in Israel, whether that's people in Gaza, that is our priority. Yeah, it's also, you know, it's not profound moral high ground that we find ourselves in, um, advocating for not the death of kids. You know, that's not like, oh, wow, they're really, it's, it should be an easy, easy thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next email is from Brian in China. Brian in China, another long time long listener. Time. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I'm currently reading a book by Alistair Reynolds. It's part of a series, The Inhibitor Trilogy, and I read a quotation in it on the prevalence of luck in one's life. It made me think of your discussions on the topic, so I wanted to share it with you. Quote, her father had always emphasized how easy it was to find oneself on the wrong side of the fence. 
It wasn't necessarily a question of who had the quickest wits or the firmest resolve. It wasn't always about bravery or some shining inner goodness. It could just as easily be about the position of your name in the alphabet, the chemistry of your blood, or whether you were fortunate enough to be the daughter of a man who happened to own a ship. End quote. Be well, Brian in China. I think this actually fits with the discussion because... When we do talk about luck, one of the things we don't often talk about is the luck of your birth yeah. in terms of where you happen to be born. And I think we all understand the implications of that for the previous conversation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> you know, the other thing that we don't talk about often enough is we talk about good luck, but we don't talk about the other side of that, which is bad luck. Yeah. Being born with luck that's not necessarily going to lead you to to prosperity and and good things yeah you know there's there's bad fucking luck too yeah no i'm glad you brought that up because i had a comment on one of my recent youtube videos and someone was very frustrated because they've experienced a lot of adversity in their life and they were frustrated with me for talking about luck and they said what about luck like i haven't had good luck and in my thought i in my head i thought bad luck yeah you've had luck it's just It's the other side. Yeah. Shitty. So thank you, Brian, for that email. And shout out to Josephine as well. Josephine and Brian in China. (laughs) All right. Next email. Hi, Brittany and Jesse. I have been wanting to tell my story for years. After hearing about the latest story regarding the Seattle Police Department, I feel like I can't stay quiet any longer. This, just pause. This is me talking, not the email. Is in reference to the Seattle Police Department story that we covered a few weeks ago where the officer hit a student in the crosswalk and killed her. Going 70 plus miles an hour in a 35. And there was body cam footage released of not not the police officer who hit the woman in the crosswalk, but of someone who was tasked with investigating whether that officer had been under the influence. Who also happens to be the vice president of the police officers guild. Right. And he was speaking in a way that was very disparaging about the woman and how her life was meaningless and then he tried tried to backtrack it anyway it's a few episodes ago so this is in reference to that back to the email i have a disability that affects my legs when i was in high school i wanted to be a police officer because i wanted to help people with my career i joined the police explorer program thinking this would be my way into a career where i could make a difference in the world as police explorers we were trained to think we were separate from the communities we were patrolling A lot of the cops there thought they were better than I was because of my disability. The Explorer program was set up like the military, with rather severe punishments. It was like they were preparing us for war. I heard lots of racial slurs and disparaging statements regarding less privileged people. It's so scary to think they have this much power and also have such terrible attitudes. The culture was absolutely toxic. The other kids would make fun of my disability and call me weak when I couldn't keep up with the military-style exercises. One time I was trying to march with the rest of my explorer group. We were preparing for a synchronized marching competition the following weekend. The cop who ran the program pulled me out and made me sit alone on the curb and watch everyone else march together. He told me I would embarrass him at the competition because I couldn't bend my legs and stay in sync with everyone else. He wanted me to write an essay explaining how he would feel at the competition. I got home that day. I got home that day and decided he could go fuck himself. I resigned that night and never looked back. 
I am now in a very successful medical professional. I'm sorry, I am now a very successful medical professional. So it all worked out for me. The other people in my Explorer group were losers in their own lives and all had chips on their shoulders. I sometimes wonder if they now have excessive force complaints on their records, but I don't know for sure. I hate that police culture is like this. Cops really could do so much good in their communities if they had their heads on straight. I think a huge part of the problem is police unions. They are really too powerful and are successful in blocking a lot of good reforms. I was so angry when I heard what that cop said about the student who was killed. I hope her family sues and gets that cop fired and investigated. I just wanted to tell you guys what my experience is. I love your guys' show. It helps me get through the day at the hospital where I work. I love you, Jesse, but Brittany is totally the best part. Sincerely, Randy. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Yeah, too many cops. The, the job of police officer attracts too many people who have their own crippling insecurities where they they act out against people they feel inferior so they need to beat someone down sometimes literally to make themselves feel better or appear stronger and in control or 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 whatever i I don't know it's i've known a lot of cops in my life Uh, I i knew a lot of guys who washed out of the military who then became cops to then wield the power and authority that they have under color of law to harm people to hurt others and uh we reward that i mean there's a movement afoot here in washington dc because of the the rising crime rising violent crime shootings and carjackings and robberies and group people going into CVS en masse and clearing the shelves, kids. And, and people are, we need more cops. No, we no, we don't. We need the cops that we have to do their goddamn jobs. I don't know how many times we've been driving down the road and we see a motor, a group of motorcycle cops on the, on the, on the side of the road, like on 14th Street here in D.C., and that we just see them scrolling on Instagram on their phones, not doing their jobs, so it's it's not one, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show, that, that there needs to be a top-down, bottom-up reformation of police culture in this country. Um, and it, like Randy said, um, we need to do away with the us-against-them bifurcation of... You're not, they're not public servants in their minds. They're there to enforcement, and that's it's not what it should be. I mean, policing works differently in other countries, and it seems to work. Not here. Yeah. Not here. Well, I think that Randy probably says I'm the best part because we're similar in that I also wanted to be a cop when I was younger. Yeah, you did. And my explanation was also that I wanted to help people with my with my career. And part of that is because I grew up with parents who were criminals. And so I had a lot of experience with police. And my experience with police was a positive one. I mean, I would do shop with a cop, you know, like the poor kid program where you at the holidays shop with a cop and they buy you a toy and you get to go to Kmart and eat popcorn and hot dogs and not to talk about listen, hot dogs. I know that listen, can trigger stuff here, but <laughs> listen. 
your childhood memories are just ensconced in food-related activities. Oh yeah. Even shop with a cop. Yeah. There are there are tangible <laughs> food references. Yeah. Hot dogs and popcorn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I also went to a police explorer program, I guess. I don't know. It was like a week long post academy training, is what they called it. And it was very similar to what Randy is talking about in terms of the similarities with the military. We learned marching. We had to get up really early and, and go and run and be tortured. And <laughs> I noticed that a lot of the kids I was there with were underprivileged kids. I mean, this wasn't a program where like rich kids were coming to try to be cops. It was yeah. underprivileged kids. And the same thing was true in my high school. They had law enforcement classes that I took and... <laughs> These law enforcement really painting a picture. Yeah, these law enforcement <laughs> classes. I mean, we would watch like Walking Tall with The Rock. We would always right. watch movies. We were always watching a movie. We like barely did any work. Shout out to Mr. Knutson. I think he passed actually during COVID. And <laughs> it was again underprivileged kids in that class. Like these were not rich kids. These were not kids that were entitled that were taking these classes. They were the same demographic that the military targets. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, we would have, when we weren't watching Walking Tall with the Rock, we would have demonstrations from different branches of the government. And at a certain point, I thought about joining the Coast Guard when they came in and gave their presentation. So yeah, they definitely knew which demographic they were targeting when they would come into that class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this brought up a lot of you know, personal connection between my story and Randy's. And thankfully, I did not follow through on becoming a police officer. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Well, that's great. Uh, Thank you for those emails. We appreciate it very much. If you too would like to sound off, we would encourage your listener communication, 657-464-7609. And of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone. Let's thank some Patreon supporters. We would encourage you also to help support the show produce this work that we do you can go to patreon.com slash i doubt it podcast and have your name um like this is some kind of benefit (laughs) mentioned on the show we would like to thank our new patreon supporters james c james c jennifer c jennifer c andrew andrew Trisha K. Trisha K. Trentster. Trentster. It's not written like that. I just felt like I should say it like that. Anytime there's a stir on the end of something, I'm the jester. (laughs) And Cindy H. Cindy H. Thank you so very much for your beautiful support of the show. Of course, one of the main benefits of becoming a Patreon supporter is that you get access to the ad-free version of the show. And you get access to the RSS feed link that you can paste into any of your podcatchers so you can listen to the ad-free show. Uh, Patreon also recently rolled out a direct connection with Spotify. So the show version on Patreon should automatically be going to your Spotify account if you connect it. Yeah. And you can also listen on Patreon. But we also started doing our once-a-month bonus episodes on Patreon, which are for patrons only. We are not going to post them for the public. So our our previous one was very well received. Everyone seemed to really like it. Yeah, it made me feel good that it, you know, sometimes when you do Patreon-only stuff because it's a limited section of your audience, you don't get a lot of feedback. Yeah. And it was, uh, like you said, well received. So that's uh, made me feel good. Yeah. So we're sure. going to, we're going to be, we, we've got some things in the works of some ideas of what to do for those episodes and uh, 
we're going to enjoy those. We also had another meeting about our end of year gift. So we're getting closer to getting that actually completed. We, I think, finalized our idea. Now we're looking for people to help us make it a reality, but we're getting closer. It's not the end of the year yet. All right. So we have time. But Get off my back, man. <laughs> you you also have time because if you become a Patreon supporter by the end of the year, then you get the end of your gift. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Again, patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. I am unprepared, not panicking at all because my computer restarted without my permission. Don't you love when that happens? I'm not prepared. Don't you love that when your computer restarts without your permission? Uh, That doesn't happen to me because I restart my computer enough that it doesn't freak out. You always have like 85 tabs open and it just overworks your computer. And I'm right now the audience should know I'm just giving you time to get your shit together while I also malign you for your (laughs) lack of taking care of the computer that you own. All right, so... (laughs) Really walked into that attack. Okay, so... uh, (laughs) Aside from the terrible conflict that is happening in Israel, the House Republicans have been continuing to dominate the headlines because they're trying desperately to find a new speaker after Kevin McCarthy was ousted. So this week, the House Republican Candidate Forum came together and they at first selected Steve Scalise. And anytime you hear Steve Scalise, you should think that he's the guy who said he's David Duke without the baggage. Yes. Something we've talked about for years just like with uh, Ainsley Earhart, every time we mention her, we play this clip. What about this country? the majority? Okay, the I'm majority. So tired of protecting the minority. The same thing goes for Steve Scalise. Every time we mention Steve Scalise, I'm very quick to say, yeah, the guy who compared himself to David Duke, saying I'm just like David Duke without the baggage. A guy who was the honored speaker at the white nationalist, white supremacist conference hosted by David Duke back in the early 2000s. He's a fucking bad guy, so of course, that's who the Republicans picked to be their next speaker until he dropped out of the race. Yeah, and David Duke, of course, being a former KKK leader, he is still very active in white supremacist organizations. He was at Charlottesville for Unite the Right. Yeah, he's he's very active still, and he has had a lot of plastic surgery that doesn't have anything to do with anything, but like I saw a video of him <laughs> a few days ago, and I thought, wow, he is getting a lot of plastic surgery yeah, done. Yeah, he... I think he wants his head to look like a fucking egg. Like, no wrinkles, just smooth. You know what I mean? Well, I just... Doesn't that mean that somewhere out there there's, like, a white supremacist plastic surgeon? Because you have to know <laughs> when David Duke is coming in... Yeah, that, who like, he is. you're fixing the face of the former KKK Grand Wizard, yeah, you know? Yeah, And isn't that kind of something you wouldn't want to do? Well, especially in plastic surgery, that's like an elective procedure. It's not like, oh, a, a gunshot victim comes in and, and he's got Nazi tattoos. Like we're rewatching, I'm not rewatching for me. I'm watching uh, ER for the first time, and that's happened. I think at least once. Yeah. And you, you, 
a plastic surgeon to be able to say, nah, <laughs> I don't need your business. Yeah, well, okay. Anyway, completely off track, but we do a lot of media criticism on the show where we come across these various news packages that do a poor job of reporting on certain things. And I came across another one this week, this time from NBC News, which typically does things pretty well, but this was... I mean, they do host Meet the Press. Yes, this was at the time when Steve Scalise was actually nominated to be the next House Speaker. That's no longer the case. So you must know that this package is dated. But what I want you to focus on is, I guess, the things they leave out about Steve Scalise and what they barely touch on. The path to this moment, nearly two decades in the making for Steve Scalise, who won a special election back in 2008 to represent a district in Louisiana, which includes part of New Orleans. Scalise entering office right around the same time as now former Speaker Kevin McCarthy and powerful Republican Congressman Jim Jordan. A tricky time for the GOP, considering a Democratic landslide had just ushered in the Obama era. Hello, Chicago! Scalise earning a committee seat, and by 2004, 14, with Republicans powering back, Scalise won a leadership position as House Majority Whip, so infuriating Jordan that he helped form the ultra-conservative House Freedom Caucus. That same year, calls for Scalise to resign after a political blogger reported he spoke at a white nationalist group meeting in 2002, which the congressman later called a mistake I regret. Captured on cell phone video, the chilling moment that rapid gunfire broke out in Alexandria this morning. In June 2017, an attacker opened fire at a congressional baseball team practice. Scalise, badly hurt. But ultimately, returning to work in a moment that captured the country's attention. For all the noise and all the fury, we are one family. Scalise, solidly conservative, rejecting Obamacare, a climate change skeptic, and a supporter of gun rights. A member of House leadership already, he's now pledging to be a survivor once more after announcing he's battling blood cancer. Ah, what? Ah, he's the gunshot victim cancer guy, everybody. But don't even, uh, don't look over here at him trying to compare himself to the Grand Wizard of the KKK. Well, and you'll notice that that quote didn't come up. And they talked about how he did make the appearance at the white nationalist event, but that he said it was a mistake. Right. And then they, they, and then right after the line mistake, you hear gunshots of the, of him being right. shot. Right. It's just like, <laughs> how sympathetic of a character can we make Steve Scalise? Yeah. And then they're like, and he's going to be a survivor again. Like, are, what's, what is going on here? Was this produced by Steve Scalise? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, Even no members kidding. of his own party, South Carolina Republican Representative Nancy Mace came out on CNN and said that she wouldn't vote for him because he attended a white supremacist conference. I mean, you know, this means so much coming from Nancy yeah, Mace. Yeah, she's just worthless. And compared himself to David Duke, she said that it would be an enormous disservice to the voters that she represents in South Carolina if she were to do that. But, but but she's also supporting Jim Jordan. Right, right. <laughs> and you might be thinking, okay, so he appeared at this white nationalist organization that was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, why why would this still be relevant? It is mid fucking thirties. Right. By it, the way. it doesn't matter that we you know we we can move on. We can forgive people. Maybe it really was a mistake. Well, the reason that this is important is because obviously there's still a significant influence in the Republican Party by white supremacists. Yeah. And you just saw this report this week from the Texas Tribune of Nick Fuentes 
making an appearance at uh, an event that was hosted by the president of Defend Texas Liberty and a former lawmaker. And there's all kinds of Texas Republicans who are now like returning their donations, who are trying to distance themselves because here we have again another Republican meeting with Nick Fuentes at an event trying to distance themselves from Nick Fuentes after inviting him and hosting him at an event. And we're still in this position where just this week, uh, Ron DeSantis, presidential candidate, Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, made an appearance on CNN. And one of the hosts, Jonathan Berman, repeatedly asked him a pretty basic question. And that question was, should Republicans be eating with Nick Fuentes? Should they be hosting Nick Fuentes? And before we play the clip, we should remember that Donald Trump also hosted Nick Fuentes, prominent white supremacist. Have we explained who Nick Fuentes is? I'm sure we've talked about him in the past. Um, I mean, the the hateful caller guy. um, Oh, right, right. He was a, a supporter of Nick Fuentes, and that's, I think, probably how he even found our videos is me talking about him on YouTube. But Nick Fuentes is the little Nazi puke who denies the Holocaust. He has said horrible, violent things, wants to bring about a Catholic Taliban rule in America. He's just a little monster. And you see him sometimes on Twitter in just, uh, you know, gesticulating wildly at his desk and saying the most hateful things that someone could possibly say. And so, of course, Republicans are meeting with him. I mean, has literally (laughs) said Hitler was really fucking cool, quote unquote. Yeah. So this should be an easy question to answer, right? Should Republicans be eating with Nick Fuentes? And the fact that he dodges the question time after time after time after time after time tells you everything you need to know about the Republican Party when the easiest question gets avoided. There was a peculiar statement from American white supremacist Nick Fuentes over the weekend who said that Israel's intelligence failure, he called it, is, quote, a little suspicious in light of how the Likud Likud government will benefit politically from this crisis, both domestically and internationally. What do you say to a statement like that? That is totally outrageous. Um, you know, this garbage out there, you hear things, people are saying that the babies really somehow weren't killed, that this is all just manufactured. I understand there's conspiracy theories that can go on, but but we've got to put that garbage aside uh, and we've got to stand with Israel. And yes, uh, we have to condemn uh, the anti-Semitism that has motivated these attacks and that has motivated attacks uh, around the world. Let me just ask you then on Nick Fuentes for a second. He ate at Mar-a-Lago with Donald Trump in in 2022. Uh, He's also said, among other things, I love Hitler. A guy like that who spreads conspiracy theories like the one you were just talking about. How do you feel about Republicans associating with him? Well, I reject all uh, uh, conspiracy theories of that nature. I think that uh, we just have so much garbage in our society right now. I mean, it broke my heart to see those those demonstrators. It breaks my heart to see uh, college students putting out praise of Hamas. 
All, all, all across the board. I mean, I think we just have to we just have to stand up together and um, and do what's right. And so, yeah, look, uh, I'm proud of what we've done in Florida. Um, you know, we've signed major legislation to combat anti-Semitism. We've provided security assistance for our Jewish day schools, and we've beefed up uh, Holocaust education because it's important that we never okay. forget. So we've led by example here with Understood. our seeds, and I think that's part of the reason why we have such a strong community here. All right. You didn't answer my question on Nick Fuentes. Um, are you going, I'll, I'll move on if you're not going to give a direct answer. Are you going to give a direct answer to that? I, honestly, I, you, you were kind of garbled about Mar-a-Lago. I mean, someone was saying something bad. Obviously, my record speaks for itself. Uh, I just want to know if Republicans should, should be eating with Nick Fuentes. I would not do that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and he still didn't answer the question. I, well, I wouldn't do that. No, he, right. th- here's the answer, right. dipshit Ron DeSantis. No, Republicans, Democrats, no one should be breaking bread with, eating dinner with, sharing space with a fucking Nazi. Well, here's, here's where the media needs to go further. Because this question really needs to be put into the context of Nazis marching in Florida on a regular basis. Yeah. And so not not only was he not answering the question, he's the Florida governor where Nazis are regularly marching out in the open in his state with him not condemning it. Well, they're his supporters. Not giving statements. Yeah. And so those two things need to be put together when you're asking a question. The optics of this, Ron, <laughs> of you refusing to answer this question about should Republicans be eating with a Nazi when you have Nazis marching in your state on a regular basis, it seems like a problem that you're not willing to denounce this and say that this shouldn't be happening. What does that mean? What does that say about you? What does that say about the party? And of course, Ron DeSantis isn't going to give a meaningful response, but it's important to give context for the people that are listening to this so that they know, because sometimes you need to spell it out. You can't allow people to implicitly pick up on what the message should be here. But going back to the House Republican speaker election, they're doing so well, but now they have selected Jim Jordan. So now Jim Jordan is going to be the guy. And of course, with a a full House vote, you need 217 votes. And Jim Jordan, during the, the House Republican election, when the Republicans get together and they cast their ballots, Jim Jordan had 152, 152 yes votes and 55 no votes. Mm -hmm. So the question is... What is he going to do to win over those 55 Republicans by the time they hold the the entire House vote, the full House vote, yeah. and, which we don't even know when that's going to be. This has all been kind of a mess. So there was a moment where Manu Raju, remember we are Manu Raju stands on this show, asked Kevin McCarthy how what the path forward is, like what what is this going to look like? Congress cannot do anything at the moment. Everything is stalled. Is it time to make clear that Patrick McHenry has more power, give him more power, the interim speaker, in order to allow legislation to advance? Should the House do something about that? Well, I always believed he did. Unfortunately, when all the Democrats got together with eight Republicans and stopped it, the first thing they did was try to go to um, the Parles and say that uh, that 
position didn't have any power. So they've really stymied, they brought chaos to Cong Congress, and now they tried to stymie our ability to have continuity of Congress, which I think is a real problem, what the Democrats have done. So is it round up these folks that he still needs to get away? I think he just has to sit down and talk to him. I think they'll be there. But why do you, I mean, you really don't think there should be another candidate, a consensus candidate? Is there a consensus candidate at this point? <laughs> How many people have we gone through? You know, um, I, I think I think we'll be able to work this out, and I, I feel comfortable that we'll get there. I mean, how do you think this reflects on the GOP right now? This whole episode? Oh, it's terrible. I mean, if you think, if you think from a GOP perspective. Eight Republicans, led by Gates, worked with every single Democrat. That's Swalwell, that's Schiff, that's Omar, uh, that's Tlaib, that's Ayo, to, to bring chaos with the whole concept of being upset because we paid our troops. Our troops got paid today. Could you imagine being somebody in the armed services in the Middle East on your aircraft carrier right now, questioning whether your family's going to be able to pay the rent? That, that's what they wanted. That's, that's, what the, that's why they wanted to throw me out. But you know what? I'm more than willing to fight for our American public, and especially for the troops. And what does this do to your swing district Republicans? All of this. What does it do to the 18 members from that, Biden districts? Well, all, that all the Democrats voted to try to bring chaos? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Two things I want to talk about here. One, how shallow is the talent pool in the Republican Party that Jim Jordan is the leading contender to be Speaker of the House of Representatives. That's just bananas to me. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they're really bad at this. Kevin McCarthy especially is very bad at this. There was a time long ago when the, the American people would be bamboozled by this nonsense that re Democrats wanted to not pay the troops and wanted to shut down the government. There was a time when this would play. Not anymore. The American people are awake to this. They are privy to the tricks. They know that it is Republicans. The, the chaos is because of them. The chaos in their party is because of them. You can't blame Democrats for getting rid of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker when the Republicans are in the majority. The motion to vacate the speakership was brought by a Republican. What in the fuck, Kevin McCarthy? You're terrible at this. Well, and Jim Jordan, should be noted, is a radical. He is yes. right next to Donald Trump. He is an election denier. He was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee and refused to show up. Yeah. He is a radical. And before we get to that, because I, I want to touch on your talent pool comments, um, the next government shutdown is November 17th. So we're about a month out from the next government shutdown. <laughs> there was 45 days, the continuing resolution, which funded the government uh, under the that agreement. Right. You heard Manu Raju talking about how there's 18 House Republican members that were elected from districts that Biden won. And so there's been talk of, you know, all it would take is five House Republicans to join with the Democrats to elect Hakeem Jeffries. Sure. And, God, that would be so wonderful. Well, why, why isn't <laughs> that being asked? Like, people are trying to blame the Democrats. Even Gr David Gregory was on CNN yesterday or the day before blaming Democrats for, for not cleaning up the mess of Republicans on the House floor. It's just, what the fuck? No one's asking that question, That the very scenario you just brought up. Why is David Gregory not saying, well, why won't five Republicans 
come over and elect Hakeem Jeffries as Speaker of the House where they can actually get some things done on the House floor for the American people. Right. And Hakeem Jeffries actually came out and made a statement about Jim Jordan. This speaks to the comment that you made, Jesse, about the talent pool <laughs> that the Republicans have that have that has allowed Jim Jordan to be at the top. And Hakeem Jeffries actually touched on his very lengthy career in Congress. And I did not know that Jim Jordan has basically been up to nothing. He has been doing nothing. House Republicans have just elected a speaker nominee who in 16 years in this Congress hasn't passed a single bill because his focus has not been on the American people. His focus has been on peddling lies and conspiracy theories and driving division amongst the American people. House Republicans now have a choice. There are only two paths forward. On the one hand, House Republicans can continue to triple down on the chaos, the dysfunction, and the extremism that has been visited upon the American people as a result of the House Republican Civil War. On the other hand, traditional Republicans can break away from the extremism partner with Democrats on an enlightened bipartisan path forward so we can end the recklessness and get back to doing the business of the American people. But that also speaks to what the priority is for the Republican Party. Absolutely. And for all of the comments that they're making that Democrats are the ones causing the chaos, we know that that's not true. We know that that's projection. We know that they love the chaos, that they love the drama, that they thrive on it. I mean, the first Joe Biden impeachment inquiry hearing proved this as well, where the Republicans just got their asses handed to them. Jim Jordan, by the way, leads that um, inquiry. And so it's all about the drama. It's all about the chaos. And his record of doing nothing proves that. It really has become the party of doing x to own the libs mm-hmm. that's that's it there is no there is no functional uh agenda for america that holds any efficacy whatsoever they're they're just in it to cause damage to, to, to do get their clicks get their clout get their moment and sidle up to donald trump and try to get him into the white house i mean that's it that's it that that is it yeah We'd love to know what you think about this. 657-464-7609 is the number you can call to leave a voicemail. You can also email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Once again, we would encourage you to go visit the new and improved Patreon, per Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. Download this new app. There's all kinds of new functionality to, to, to... communicate with one another and really build community we need to get in there and and really get our brains around what the changes are and if somebody knows we would love to hear from you and you can tell us we're going to leave you there though we love you guys we appreciate you thanks for your loyalty thanks for your your listenership it means so much here we are on the precipice of 900 episodes we'll see you next time for Brittany page i'm jesse dollimore and this has been I doubt.